Welcome to Finding Freedom with Inspire Wellness. I'm Gemma, a body image and food freedom coach, anti-diet advocate, and your ultimate hype girl. I'm here to empower you with inspiration, education, and motivation so that you can start living as your happiest and healthiest self, whatever that means to you. I spent years struggling with food, my body, and my mental health until I finally found freedom. Now I'm on a mission to make sure that nobody goes through what I did and to burn diet culture to the ground while I'm at it. I'm obsessed with helping women to ditch the diets, love their bodies, feel confident AF, create sustainable habits, improve their mindset and become their next level selves. So what are we waiting for? Let's do this. Hello, welcome back to another episode. Today, I want to talk about how you can feel in control around food, even if you normally can't keep chocolate in the house, because this used to be me. And this is, I swear, so many people that I talk to. And the thing that prompted me to do this episode is the other week I was making cupcakes. So I was making icing and I don't know about you guys, but like buttercream icing has to be one of the most delicious foods on this planet, I think. And it really gave me a throwback, a bit of a reminder of back in the day when I was really struggling with food, I had a housemate. I was living with someone else, living with a friend. And so I used to not keep anything like junk food wise I hate the word junk food, but at the time, you know, that's what I would refer to. No bad foods, no naughty foods, no guilt foods. I wouldn't keep anything like that in the house because I didn't trust myself. So I wouldn't keep chocolate in the house. I wouldn't keep lollies. I wouldn't keep any of these foods that I knew might cause me to binge on them. Basically, I just didn't trust myself around them. So because I didn't have any of those foods in the house, when that urge would come up and you know what it's like when you have that craving, when that craving hits You need something, right? So I would try eating oats. I would try like binging on bananas. I would eat everything humanly possible that I could. So I was so, so, so careful about what I kept in the house because I didn't want to eat those things. I didn't want to binge on those things. So basically that often left me with two options. Option one, when that craving really hit and I knew I was powerless to resist it and I knew it was going to happen, I could drive to the shops and I could buy things, which, you know, sometimes I did that. I would go and spend $40, $50 on binge foods. But sometimes I thought, no, I'm so adamant. I'm not going to do that. And that felt like giving in. That felt like something to really be ashamed of. So instead, what I would do is my housemate was a great baker. So she would always have things like in the house, like butter. She would always have sugar, that kind of thing. And what I would do instead is I would make icing because I could do that with butter. I could do that with icing sugar. And she wouldn't notice if the ingredients were missing, if she wasn't there. And I could, you know, top them up afterwards. So I would make a bowl of icing and I would eat a bowl of icing. And that was one of my binge foods. So that making the icing on the weekend and like licking the beater, which is always a fun time, really threw me back to that. And I was like, far out. Like that was, that was a bit messed up. (laughs) That was not a good time. So it really prompted me to want to record this episode because I know a lot of people, you know, actually one of my past clients, if she's listening to this, shout out to you. I know has had the same experience with icing, but I think a lot of us have that feeling that we can't keep certain foods in the house and think that that's going to solve all our problems when in actual fact, it doesn't. That's not the thing that's going to make you feel in control around food. Whereas that's what I thought. I thought that, you know, just not allowing it in the house meant that I would have control. I would be all good around food. 
my real belief that I had about myself was that I just can't do moderation. I'm not built like that. And I feel like I had this enforced to me. I can I can remember a particular book that I read at the time and it was like, some people are moderation people, some people aren't moderation people, so they need to just abstain. And I really took that on board. I thought there is no period of my life, there is no world that I could live in that I can do moderation with food. So I need to do all or I need to do nothing. And that's such black and white thinking that I know a lot of people would relate to. So I really thought that it was easier to just abstain, just not eat those foods. But the thing is, those aren't the only two options. The only two options are not abstinence or going all out. That's not the case. And if you're someone who feels like that, I want you to know that it's not one of those two things. You're not built different. There's not some like, yes, we can all have tendencies, but it doesn't mean you can't change. And that's what I want to talk about today. Basically, the fact that you can change, you can feeling control around food. You can keep your favorite foods in the house without going all out on them. It's totally possible. It doesn't have to be one or the other. So what does feeling in control around food actually mean? Because I think for a lot of us, this is a goal. A goal is to feel in control around food, but it's not something that we've actually defined. So does being in control around food for you mean being able to deny yourself or to hold yourself back when you have those urges? Or does being in control around food mean not really even having those urges in the first place, not feeling that overwhelming urge to go out and eat everything in the kitchen or eat a whole block of chocolate in one sitting, or maybe it's cutting down on those urges in the first place. Because I think for a lot of us, when we talk about feeling in control around food, the go-to is kind of that denial is I want to be able to stop myself. But again, that's not the only option. You can Cut down on those urges in the first place. You can not have many of those urges in the first place. You can not feel controlled by those urges. So when I'm talking to people who are in a great place with food or they've got this healthy relationship with food, I have never heard any of them say, oh, I'm really good at stopping myself from eating. So this goal of being able to deny yourself or hold yourself back, that's not a goal that people who have a great relationship with food had. That's not the, their outcome that they're looking for. It's more for them about not feeling that need to overindulge or not even wanting those fun foods 24-7. That's the outcome we should be looking for. We shouldn't be aiming to control ourselves in the sense that we're going to have all these thoughts all the time. We're going to be able to resist them. It's more about changing what thoughts pop up in the first place, how often those thoughts pop up in the first place. And then how do we respond to them in a healthy way, in a way that serves our body, in a way that serves our mind, in a way that serves our emotions, all of these kinds of things. So removing the food from the house, it doesn't work. It didn't work for me. As you can see with the icing, I was still going for icing. I was still eating everything possible, mixing together oats and banana and honey and like anything I could find to get that sweet craving that I wanted. Because to me, anything sweet was a bad time. That's what I believed. So removing things from the house does not work. And it doesn't work for so many people that I talk to. Maybe it works in the beginning. Maybe it works for a little while, but then it stopped working. And the reason why that is, is because it's a Band-Aid solution. If you're just taking away all of the foods that you think you can't be trusted around, you're not actually changing anything. The issue is always going to be there. You're not going to magically stop wanting these things just because you don't have access to them for a while. That's not how it works. Instead, you're just... You're giving yourself this surface level solution. You're taking them away, but it's always going to be there. There's always going to be this underlying issue. So you need to work on the underlying issue instead, basically. 
that's what will get you through. Because when we are in, and you might've heard me talk about the restrictive mindset before, and that's what this is. We are very much playing into that restrictive mindset when we're taking the food away, when we're telling ourselves we can't be trusted around it, that we're not in control around it. And the restrictive mindset backfires all of the time. So let me define the restrictive mindset. Basically, it's when, as the name suggests, we're restricting ourselves. We're telling ourselves we can't have something. We're telling ourselves we are bad if we have something. We're telling ourselves we're making ourselves feel guilty or shame or anxious if we eat things. That's what the restrictive mindset is. But the thing is, when you have this in place, your brain is going to rebound. It's like that elastic band effect. You're moving further and further and further away. It is going to snap back and often it's going to overcompensate. So for most of us, if we're really in this restrictive mindset, we're not able to restrict ourselves and then sure we snap back, but it's not like we snap back and go, okay, well, I wrote the donut. Great. I'll have the donut and I'll move on. That's not what happens. More often than not, we restrict and then we come back. We want the donut. We have the donut. We have seven more donuts. We have the chocolate. We go to McDonald's. We do all the things and then we hate ourselves and we feel awful about ourselves. That's more what ends up happening. And the reason why it happens is because your brain is trying to protect you. It's doing it in a very annoying way, but it is your brain trying to protect you because your brain sees that food is being taken away and food is energy. Food is fuel, even donuts. Donuts are still fuel. They still count. Maybe they don't have the same nutritional makeup as, I don't know, like a salad or something like that, but it is still fuel. So your brain sees that fuel is being taken away. It's like, well, I need fuel to live. So What's she doing? I'm going to increase that desire. I'm going to increase that motivation so that she goes out and gets some more fuel. And it's going for the more energy dense things, AKA more calorie dense things, which is why we bounce back from this restriction with things like pizza rather than with things like an apple or a head of broccoli. So the restrictive mindset is always going to pull you back. So it doesn't work. This is why dieting fails. This is why lifestyle changes fail. This is why our desires to stop ourselves from eating things doesn't work and why you end up going back and you think that you're a failure, but it's just basic human biology. It's just what your body and your brain is designed to do. So I want to give you my top five tips for feeling in control around food. Even if you can't normally keep chocolate in the house right now, if you're someone who's listening to this, like, yep, that's me. I want to give you my top five tips for feeling in control around food. And I can tell you now, the answer is not get rid of it. The answer is not stop yourself from having it. The answer is not decrease your desire to have them because it doesn't work. That doesn't work. So I'm going to give you the things that actually do work. And these are just some of the things that I work through with my clients, whether that's one-on-one or whether that's in the confidence code for those people who feel like they're not safe around food. They're not in control around food. They're an eating machine and they're broken and there's something wrong with them. That is hundred percent how I used to feel. That is absolutely from my own experience. So let me give you my top five tips. Just interrupting this episode, but it's with a freebie, so I'm sure you'll forgive me. On Wednesday, 29th of May, I am hosting a free online masterclass called Beat the Binge. Come along to uncover the root cause of your binge eating and get my top four strategies to stop so that the only binging you do is on Netflix every Friday night. You can join me live for a Q&A after the masterclass and everyone who registers will get the replay recording delivered straight to their inbox. You'll also receive an epic workbook to support you on your journey to stop binging and to help you put everything into practice. I can also promise that this event will be 100% pitch free. It is all about the value and you will find no gatekeeping of the information from me. 
So are you in? Hit the link in the show notes to register now. So the first one is to question your food beliefs. Now, you have got a whole set of beliefs, well, about everything in life, really, every single area of your life, but about food. You've got beliefs about which foods are good, which foods are bad. You've got beliefs about how much you should be eating. You've got beliefs around when you sh- when you should be eating. You've got beliefs about what certain foods will do to your body. You've got fears, you've got anxieties, you've got judgments that you make on yourself in relation to what you eat. So this is where we need to start questioning it because so many of our food beliefs and the things that we've been raised to believe have come from diet culture, have come from this culture that is really designed to make us feel crap about ourselves. It acts like it's there to make us healthy, but it's not because if it was, we would all be healthy because we all know. We all know what we quote unquote should be doing. We know what diet culture told us, but it doesn't work. So we need to change that. We need to like a real belief that you've probably got is that you have this need for control. If you're listening to this episode, if the episode title resonated with you, you probably have this belief that you just need more control. You just need more willpower. You just need more motivation, but that's not true. So we need to start questioning, which hopefully now you've got some questions to ask yourself listening to this. Hopefully this has sowed some seeds for you where you're like, "Mm, actually, maybe that's not what I need. You probably need to change your beliefs around good versus bad foods. That's a very common one. We've all got the belief that there are good foods, there are bad foods, there are healthy foods, there are junk foods. We need to eliminate that from our vocabulary. We need to change the way we speak about food, the way we feel about food. So yes, there are nutrient-dense foods and less nutrient-dense foods, but all foods have nutrients in them. A nutrient is a macronutrient, protein, carbs, fats, a micronutrient, vitamins, minerals, All foods have nutrients. They just have different nutritional makeups. So we need to start questioning that. Also questioning what you should be doing because so many of us, or pretty much all of us, I imagine, have this really big list of things that we feel like we should be doing with food, things we shouldn't be doing with food. And this is what pops up every single time I have a new client or actually not even necessarily new clients, all my clients. I get that. Oh, I know I should be doing this. Oh, I know I should be, you know, putting a salad on the side of my pasta dish or something. We have all these shoulds and then we feel bad about ourselves when we don't live up to them. And we've also probably got all different shoulds because there are so many, like particularly in diet culture, I'm back at it again. There is so much conflicting information about what we should be doing. You've got people who are vegan who tell you you should be eating fully plant-based and you should absolutely avoid meat and meat is carcinogenic and that blah, 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 blah. And then you've got people on the whole other end of the spectrum like keto who are like, no, you should be adding butter to your coffee. You should be eating fatty cuts of meat. You should be avoiding fruit. We can't agree on what we should be doing. We can't agree on what's healthy. And this is like scientists can't agree on so many people. There's always going to be people advocating for different things. So getting rid of the shoulds and coming back to what is right for you, start questioning, do I want to buy into this? Is this a belief that I want to have? Because you can change your beliefs. So we really want to undo all of this diet culture programming that we've got and take it back to basics. Stop looking at the shoulds. Stop looking at the... I need to do this. I need to do that. And being confused by that and overwhelmed by information and stop taking in more and more and more and more and more information, because I think that's a trap a lot of us fall into and start taking it back to what is right for me. What makes my body feel good? What makes my mind feel good? Because those two things go hand in hand. 
The second tip I've got for you around feeling in control around food is to work on your identity around food. Now, this is also another mindset piece, because if you listen to this podcast, you know I am so big on mindset. Mindset is one of the most important things for us to focus on. So working on your identity around food, it's also kind of coming back to what you say about yourself to do with food, kind of like what I was talking about before. So, you know, maybe you had the belief that you can't eat in moderation like I did. You think I'm not built like that. I can't eat in moderation. That isn't part of your identity that you have developed to do with food. I'm an all or nothing kind of person when it comes to food. I can't just, I can't eat chocolate and just have a couple of pieces. That's not possible for me. Maybe it's that you always struggle with food. Maybe that's your part of your identity. You're just one of those people who always struggles and I'm always going to struggle. That is something I hear time and time and time again. Or maybe you've got the identity that you're a chocoholic and you can't be trusted around it. These are all parts of your identity. And when you believe this about yourself and you say these things about yourself, whether that's to other people or whether it's just to yourself, whether it's just in your head, you will keep playing into them because you cannot outperform your identity. You are always going to keep doing those things. So you need to start to go, okay, do I want this to be part of my identity? No. All right. I need to shift it. And if you need to know how to shift it, come and let me know. You can book a free mini coaching session with me. I will pop the link in the show notes because I can help you start shifting this identity if you're not sure what the process is and how to do that. My third tip for feeling in control around food is to release that restrictive mindset and to make peace with food. So we've just spoken about the restrictive mindset. You need to let go of that. Intuitive eating is the antidote to the restrictive mindset because intuitive eating is about trusting yourself. It's about listening to your own body. It's about tapping into what your individual body needs rather than listening to these external rules. It doesn't have guilt. It doesn't have shame. It doesn't have anxiety and all of these things that we put on ourselves when we're in that restrictive mindset. So we need to find freedom. That's literally, this podcast is called finding freedom. That is what I'm all about. Getting back that freedom instead of that restriction and making peace with food because food is meant to be enjoyable. Food is meant to be pleasurable. Food is something that should fuel you, that should nourish you, that should make you feel good rather than being this constant source of all of those negative emotions, that guilt and things that I was talking about. And tip number four is to practice conscious awareness rather than operating on autopilot. Now, I think most of us are operating on autopilot. And this is one of the biggest things that you work through when you work on food freedom, when you work on intuitive eating, when you work on that relationship with food is noticing your actions, noticing your thoughts. Because for most of us, we just do things and then we have the emotional response afterwards. So maybe we binge, maybe we eat way past the point of comfortable fullness. Maybe we make a choice that really doesn't make us feel great in the moment and wasn't what we needed, but we do it and we don't think much about it. And then afterwards we're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I was having this conversation with one of my one-on-one clients the other day. She was telling me about how she'd made some food choices that, you know, she didn't feel great about. She's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I shouldn't have done that. And oh yeah, I didn't have an actual meal. I went and ate a whole packet of Tim Tams instead. And I ate this and I ate that. And I was like, okay, what was the thought process? And she's like, oh, well, you know, I guess I I just kind of did it. And I was like, okay, did you question yourself in the moment? Which she's got these tools. (laughs) I was like, did you question yourself in the moment? Did we, did we work through it? Did you ask yourself, is this the choice that I want to make right now? And she's like, oh, not really. So this is what you need to do. Bring some conscious awareness to it. You don't have to act on every single urge that you have. Sure, I absolutely have the urge quite regularly to just have 
toast for dinner. If I haven't cooked, that's probably what's going to pop up for me. I'm going to be like, "Mm, I could just have toast. I could just have some chocolate. I could just have this. But I don't have to act on all of that. I can make a conscious choice to do something different. And I'm not saying this isn't about restricting yourself. This isn't about denying yourself. Because sometimes I say to myself, oh, I would love some toast right now instead. And I go, okay, is toast actually what you want right now? Is toast actually what you need right now? And sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is yes. I am willing to take this payoff of maybe not getting the nutrients that my body needs right this minute because I'm just really not feeling like cooking. I'm not really, I'm really feeling like toast right now. Sometimes that's the answer and that's okay. But instead of just operating on autopilot, instead of just giving in every single time this urge pops up or something pops up, question yourself, do I want to do this right now? Is there something else that would serve me better right now? And eventually when you're questioning yourself, you're not necessarily making those choices that maybe aren't making you feel the best, at least not as often. You probably do it occasionally. Absolutely. And that's fine. But you're not doing it all of the time. So if you're someone who right now, let's go back to the example from the episode title. If you can't keep chocolate in the house because every time you're going to you're going to have the urge to eat chocolate and then you're going to eat the entire thing. Can you question yourself? Can you if you have the urge to eat chocolate, can you decide to wait five minutes Can you go, okay, I'm going to have some, but instead of taking the entire packet to the couch, which is the easy thing to do, the whole block of chocolate, I'm just going to take one row. And then if I want more, I can go back. It's just bringing some more conscious awareness to what you're doing. And often that's the first step, just noticing, not even actively trying to do anything different. Just noticing can start making a difference. And my final tip for you is to keep plenty of the food in your house. So This is a trick that I did that I love. And every time I share it, I get so many people being like, oh my God, that's genius. Now, I do need to preface this by saying for some of you, this will not, you need to have done some work before this. You can't just go from fully struggling to doing this and going all in because your nervous system will probably freak out. You will probably freak out. It will probably not be a good time, but it's almost like, like it's almost kind of like exposure therapy. So when I felt like I couldn't keep chocolate in the house, I was still doing all of the other work on the side of making peace with food, working on my mindset, all of that kind of stuff. But I needed to prove to my body that I'm safe around chocolate, prove to my brain that I am safe around chocolate. I can keep chocolate in the house. So what I did was I went and I bought 30 blocks of chocolate. I kept 10 blocks of chocolate in my pantry, in my house I kept 10 blocks of chocolate in my car because I was absolutely a bit of a secret car eater at the time. And I kept 10 blocks of chocolate in my desk at work because if I didn't have the chocolate at work, same deal. I would sometimes run across to Woolworths and have a sneaky binge. So 30 blocks of chocolate split across my three locations where I spent my time. And every time I would eat one of the blocks of chocolate, I would go and buy another one. I would replace that. So I always had 10 blocks of chocolate wherever I was. And what that did was it taught my brain that I'm safe around chocolate. Chocolate's always going to be here. I don't need like chocolate isn't going to be taken away. I don't have to eat it all in one sitting and then it's gone and then I'm missing it. And my brain is craving it even more because it's not available to me because it's always going to be available to me. And this is the thing. This is what everyone does. The We call it last supper eating. You go diet starts Monday. So Sunday you just go ham You eat everything possible. You eat to get all the food out of the house because the diet starts tomorrow. It's going to be taken away. So I need to make sure I get in as much as I possibly can now. So if you have trained your brain and your body to believe that it's always going to be available to me, it doesn't have the same desire. It doesn't have the same effect on you. So 
you know, in the beginning, absolutely. Yeah. I probably ate two blocks of chocolate in one night the first day because it was there. Cause I had it. I couldn't get my way through 10 blocks of chocolate. That probably would have made me vomit. So it was probably two or something like that. And some days I would have a whole block. Some days I would have part of a block. And then eventually it got to the point where I had blocks of chocolate that had been sitting in them for months because I just didn't want it anymore. I don't love chocolate any less than I used to. I love chocolate. Love it. It's one of my favorite foods, but I'm not controlled by it anymore. This taught me that it is always available to me. I don't need to feel powerless around it. I don't need to feel out of control around it because I have that control. And this kind of goes back to what I was talking about before. And what does control around food mean to you? Back then, it would have meant that being able to deny myself to me. It would have meant being able to have 10 blocks of chocolate in my house and not eat any. But now it just means that I don't have those urges to have chocolate very often. I don't eat chocolate every day. I don't I, pro- I don't even eat chocolate every week, really. Some weeks I will probably eat a fair bit of chocolate and some weeks I'll have none because I listen to my body because I'm not controlled by it. I don't need to. It just doesn't have the same draw anymore. So those are my top five tips. Now, obviously, there's a whole lot more in depth to do with them there. So if you do need a hand with them, if you need a bit more information, reach out to me. I'm always happy to chat about this stuff. But I have also got a free guide called Stop Snacking on Sugar. So this is a guide that's going to help you stop that habit of reaching for those sugary snacks so that you can focus on nourishing your body instead. Even if you're the kind of person who, you know, would normally never choose carrots over chocolate, this is for you. This is going to give you five steps to follow in the moment. So I've just given you my top five kind of like big picture tips. This is going to give you five actionable steps to follow in the moment when you're having that urge for chocolate or sugary treats, but you can really, you can relate this to any food really. This is going to give you those five steps to follow in the moment. And then these five tips I've just given you, this is your big picture stuff. This is your big overall stuff to work on getting rid of those urges overall really or cutting down on those urges overall so i hope you found that helpful i hope you found that valuable fellow chocoholics absolutely this is for you but like i said you can use this on anything i hope you found this helpful and i will see you next week